step into the mic today, Chris Miles, Ted Jeffries, and Chuck Drizell, longtime coach around the nation and in the DMV. Uh, we all know his dad as well, Lefty Drizell. Remember, this Step to the Mic podcast is where you can find all the DMV legends and getting to know them. Chuck, you are one of those. I mean, you play, you're a Terp. First and foremost, you're a Terp. And uh, you've had several stints as a coach around uh, college basketball now and high school basketball. So let's start with, with your time at Maryland, man. I mean, that's really where you look at the program, taking it to, to a different level and, and your dad's dream coming true. What was that experience like in the early 80s as that became to fruition? Well, as a, as a young player, I mean, I experienced it obviously as, as his son, you know, him being able to go to, to Coalfield House and go to his practices. And, um, and when I was old enough, he even let me join in on the practices with the greats like John Lucas and Albert King and Buck Williams. And so it was kind of two different perspectives, one as his son, but as a player in the DMV, uh, Maryland basketball was, was it, man. And, and uh, I had a front row seat to all the action. I had the keys to... Coalfield House. Uh, I bumped into somebody the other day. He said, yeah, you used to open up Coalfield House and let us come in and play. I said, I did. I said, oh, I, I, you know, I'm sure my dad wouldn't have minded, but I don't remember uh, getting his permission to do that. But uh, it was just a thrill for me. I mean, I didn't realize it at the time, but the talent, the legends, uh, the, the great coaches, the the stories were all evolving right there around me in those early eighties. And, and I, I had a front row seat to it. And um, I tried to become one of those legends. I, I wasn't <laughs> quite as good as many of the DMV players, like, like our big man, Ted over there, but uh, I gave it a shot. And uh, I went to Springbrook high school, which has a great reputation um, for, for all sports. Uh, but we had uh, some really good teams. I had a great high school coach. Um, I entertained the idea. My dad came home one day and he entertained the idea. He said, yeah, you know, uh, DeMatha is a private school. It's right around the corner from, from Maryland. Would you be interested in going there? And so, um, but DeMatha was the spot. And, and, um, but I decided to stay at, at my school. And uh, the lessons I've learned and the people I've met, and we're still talking about it, you know? <laughs> So I, I can't, um, I can't explain what a, what a, what a great opportunity it was for me to grow up in such a basketball rich environment. And then to have the access I had because I was, was, was left to Giselle's son. I'm going to hit you with a term and I like it for my entire life. This term has meant one thing, but to you, midnight madness, <laughs> when was the first time you heard that? And, and what does that mean to you? You know, I probably heard it when I when my dad first tried to do it. I think it was in 1971 or 72. I'm not sure the correct year, but um, he took his team out on the track at Bird Stadium at the University of Maryland. He said, we're going to start at 1201 because back then it was October 15th was the first day you could start. So he got everybody together the night of the 14th. And at 12.01, he had the car lights on the track and he timed the team in the mile. I'm sure I had heard that he was going to do that, but, you know, I was 10 years old, eight or eight to 10 years old. And so 
I wasn't quite sure what was happening. And even then it wasn't Midnight Madness. And then it started to evolve and it became a tradition. And, and uh, I think it really kind of hit me more probably when I was in high school and I would go and I would bring my friends and we would, it would be just such a cool event. And it just kind of grew into this, man, basketball season is here. You know, that's, that was the start of basketball season. And then I got to enjoy it my four years at Maryland uh, because the rules were still the same. It was still October 15th was the first day you could do anything. You know, Midnight Madness now is, it's not the same in my opinion, because you can start practicing as soon as school starts. You know, you can do a certain number of hours of workouts. You can get 40 practices in. You can, teams can start earlier than others. And so there wasn't that, that day. And that's what was so cool about Midnight Madness and what my dad kind of brought to the DMV. You know, he didn't really, I don't think he really thought it was going to be for the country, but um, you know, he wanted to get basketball started and be the first and start the excitement uh, by, by doing that event. I don't know if he yeah, had- That's crazy that your dad came up with the, with the idea of Midnight Madness and coined the term, and, and here we are today, TJ. Yeah, I, I don't know if, uh, if uh, Coach Giselle would have had envisioned what Kansas, uh, the University of Kansas did last year with bringing in Snoop Dogg and having uh, scantily clad dancers out there. But, uh, you know, Chuck, there's so many great stories about your dad. Obviously, you know, uh, you know me being related to the program through my, you know, my family, the Branch family, Adrian Branch. But, you know, uh, just remembering so much of the, the stories about your dad and recruiting. Like he was a tenacious recruiter and he thought about recruiting all the time. Talk about the lessons that you learned from your pop um, and making sure that you find the best talent out there to, and, and, and recruiting guys to play for your teams? Well, I, you know, my first recollection of how important recruiting was and the work and the effort that my dad put into it, along with his coaching staff, was when he got uh, Moses Malone to, to commit to Maryland. Um, I wasn't probably but about eight or nine years old, uh, and all I can remember is coming downstairs and my dad and all the assistants are in the house and they're, 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 they're popping champagne bottles and, you know, they're going crazy. And I'm like, mom, what is, what is happening? They go, we got Moses. We got Moses. And at the time, you know, I, I, I was like, uh, who, the only Moses I knew was the one in the Bible. Right. And right. so I, I'm like, wait, what are we talking about here? She goes, Moses, the basketball player. I said, Oh, wow. And I've never seen, a group at that time, a group of grown men so excited. And uh, later on after that, my dad uh, said, hey, Chuck, you're coming with me. We're going to go see the greatest basketball player of all time play a high school game. And I'm like, cool. We get in the car, we drive down to Petersburg. Mm -hmm. You can't even get in the gym. You can't get in. But my dad sure. they let him all in and we walked through and we're literally standing in Petersburg's high school gym, which probably holds about 500. It was probably 1500 people in <laughs> 1500 people on the outside. And I sat there as an eight or nine year old. And, and I was like, this is the greatest basketball player I've ever seen. And, and 
So then I started to put the pieces together and then I coached, I, I played for my dad in Maryland and I saw the players that he brought through and I knew the ones I was playing with were great. He involved me in the official visits as a player and the importance of those. And I started to see how it's more than just getting a player. There's a process. And then I had the opportunity to coach with my dad at JMU for nine years. And that's where I really learned what a tenacious recruiter my dad was in terms of evaluating players. He always said, look, the team with the best players is going to usually win and I want to win Chuck. So let's go get the best players. Um, finding the right talent, finding the mix. And then the key is to find out, you know, who the decision maker is, you know, it's not always the kid. It's, it may be the mom, it may be the dad, it may be, uh, an uncle or, or a girlfriend, you know, you just got to find who the decision makers maker is or are. And it was just a tremendous learning process for me. I could take the things I learned from my dad in terms of recruiting and apply it to a sales job and be successful. So um, uh, it was, it, it was just a valuable tool that I learned as a kid, as his player and as his assistant coach. And I used to now, I use it as much as I can here everywhere I've been. Uh, I've been in a lot of different places. I'm currently at the Murray School and, um, you know, I'm always trying to find uh, good talent, good players, good people, good young men and, um, and bring them into our program. Because I believe, like my dad did, he believed that being a part of his program was more than just playing basketball. It was developing a young man to be successful in life. And my dad took a lot of pride in that. He instilled that pride in me. And I try to do the same thing now in terms of whoever's a part of my program. It's more than just basketball. It's trying to help them become better people, uh, be successful, find their passions, help them reach their goals, help them set goals. Some of the kids we get don't even know what a goal is. And so we help them set goals and, and then reach them. I got some names for you from your time period at Maryland, uh, guys who certainly reached goals, set new heights, and even one guy that came in after you. So Ralph Sampson, Michael Jordan, Adrian Branch, uh, Lenny Bias. And when, when I hear those four names, it's just four legends across the board. You got a story about each and every one of those guys playing against them. And uh, I know you didn't play with Lenny. He came in right after you, but your first impression of him. Uh, who was the last one you said, Lenny? Yeah. So just one by one, each guy, like what, what it was like when you saw yeah. him on the court and realized they were special. Lenny Bice and I, we actually played together for three years. So we, all those guys are, are my era. Um, and, you know, unlike today, which is different, we all had one place we could go in the summer to play basketball. And that was five-star basketball camp. <laughs> that was it. There was no AAU. There was no any other really other options. There was some other camps like five-star, BC All-Stars, but primarily it was five-star. If anybody or any, if you were anybody or anyone that could play ball, that's where you went. So I started to see those guys as a junior and senior in high school because we would – go to those camps. Um, in fact, Michael Jordan and I were on the same team. And I, funny story. So my story about Michael Jordan, other than uh, when, when I drove 
and he blocked my shot to win the game. But um, my dad, <laughs> little to my knowledge, uh, I'm going to Five Star. My dad's sending me there. I went to about two weeks every summer. And uh, he set it up. I'm in there. I'm going in there. And I get there. Lo and behold, Michael, they, they draft these teams. And you play with that team all week long. Michael Jordan's on my team. I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, I'm not thinking much about it. My dad had prearranged that. He had prearranged that I would be on Michael Jordan's team in hopes that he'd get a recruiting advantage. Well, the week goes along and we are undefeated. We lose in the championship game at the camp. And, um, you know, Mike shot the ball every time he touched it. You know, and I'm here, I'm trying to get some looks and get some shots up, right? And trying to get, you know, some 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 college schools looking at me. And so, like any typical player, I'm a little, I'm a little, you know, come on, man, pass the ball. Pass the ball. <laughs> so, to say the least, Mike and I didn't really hit it off that much. We weren't, we did not not hit it off, but we didn't hit it off. And so, my dad picks me up. I'll never forget getting in the car. And he goes, yo, Chuck, so how was the camp? I said, it was pretty good. It went bad. He goes, so how's a Michael Jordan kid that was on your team? I said, man, he's a ball hog. I don't like that guy. I start going off on him, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my dad's grabbing his head like, oh, this did not go well. So uh, I don't think that's why Michael didn't come to Maryland. Um, Ralph, I didn't ever really have any stories about Ralph other than when we played him. They were number one in the country, and um, and uh, we were not very good. Adrian and I were freshmen, Adrian Branch, and really all we had was Adrian to score. And we held the ball. We did everything we could. We ended up beating him on a last-second shot, and it was – Ralph was so – he was so mad. Uh, so I, I do remember that about Ralph. Um, and you mentioned Lenny Bias. It, was that another one you mentioned, Lenny? Yes, yes. Um, mm -hmm. Lenny was so good, but he was not great his freshman and in, in, in middle of his sophomore year. He was he was trying to figure it out. And um, he did. And when he did, he was so dominant in practice at times. Uh, my dad would have to sub him out. He would just sit on the side. And, and you know, he's the best player on the team. But he would dominate so much. My dad couldn't tell whether the offense was going to work or the other team, you know, was, was that bad because Lenny was so good on defense that he had to sub him out. And I knew then I was like, this guy's really, really special. In fact, we would have scrimmages, inter-squad scrimmages before the season would start. And my dad always kept a plus and minus chart and, you know, a plus 20 to 25, you played really, really good. I, I never really got, I, I got one time I got a plus 20 and I was so fired up. Right. And, and but usually I'm like in the eights and tens bias was plus 55 plus 60. And we're, you know, my dad would post them up in the locker room so everybody could see him after practice. And I'm looking at mine and I'm like, how am I ever going to get to a plus 60? This guy is freaking amazing. Right. Um, so he was just a special, special player. And you know what? A really good guy. He was a really good guy. He was fun to be around. What happened to him was a tragedy. And, and uh, as we all know, um, 
I, I don't know that I can't remember if you mentioned anyone else. You you cover it. You cover most uh, of Ralph them. Sampson, Michael Jordan, Adrian Branch, and Lenny Bias. Those were the four that I had. So Adrian Branch and I were were, you know, we were competitors. He's about six nine. I'm I'm six two. But uh he and I are are probably as close as any of our of the former of, of my former teammates. He's a, a, a charismatic, wonderful player and uh, a wonderful person, outstanding player. And he and Lenny, the story about Adrian that I remember the most is after practice, Adrian would always want to play one-on-one. Practice is over. No matter how hard the practice was, he's like, let's play one-on-one. Now, I don't know. He probably should have been leaving to go study a little bit and get his homework <laughs> done. But AB loved that gym, man. I mean, he put the time in. So... I'd play with him sometimes. He'd grab whoever, whoever played. He would be a manager. He just wanted to play one-on-one afterwards. But it was always probably maybe once or twice a week, him and Lenny would, would, would go at it. And that was fun to watch. And at the end, they would always be like, I can jump higher than you. And Lenny would be like, no, you can't jump higher than me. And so they would see who could touch his high on the backboard. So Lenny would go, and Lenny was a two-foot jump. So he'd get his little running start. And I mean, he'd land those two feet and just, I mean, straight up. And I'm telling you, I know you hear stories, people touching the top of the backboard. Lenny's right up there on that little paint right before the top of the backboard. Heck, sometimes maybe he grazed it. Then Adrian would go, Adrian was a one-foot jumper. He didn't like to jump off at two feet. And I'm telling you to this day, I tell people all the time, Adrian jumped higher than Lenny. He would jump off that one foot, and I mean, he'd get all the way up there. But it was fun to watch those two guys and their athleticism and, and their competitive nature. But um, Adrian and I are still very, very close, and we keep in touch. He's a wonderful person with a wonderful family, and, and I love Adrian to death. Yeah, I mean, Chuck, those are great stories. But you're building the, you know, you're building a little bit of a legacy on your own here. You've now moved to Murray and after, uh, you know, your college career, and you seem to have found a home in Murray. But when you talk about great players, you have a great player that's alum of Murray, and that's Luca Garza. Talk about the recruitment of Luca and, and you know, or having him at Murray, but then to watch him blossom into big, you know, Big Ten player of the year. Yeah, that's it's been a real special um experience for me uh, I'm sure it is for Luca as well but no you know he's one of those guys and you've probably heard it before everything he's getting he has worked for uh, he is probably one of the if not the hardest working player I have coached and or been around played you know so for the for my entire career as a player and a coach he just puts in the work He's not the most athletic. He's not the most gifted, but he is the hardest working young man that I have had the opportunity to be around. He's also one of the most humblest and that makes him, I think, sets him apart. Uh, he, he cares about his teammates. He cares about his coaches. He cares about winning. Um, and, and he does everything he can in his power to bring teams together to, go out there and compete. There wasn't a game that I coached him that he didn't give it everything he had. And at the same time, encouraging his teammates and trying to get them to do get to, to play at his level, 
you know, of energy, not, not necessarily skill level, but just the energy and the enthusiasm that he brought to the game. Um, you know, he's a well-rounded young man. He, he was in the band here. He was a, a tutor in the lower school. Um, he, he did all kinds of things outside of basketball to, to give himself a well-rounded perspective. Um, his recruitment was really strange. You know, all the big time schools, they just didn't really think he had the ability to, to move at that level. They always talked about his ball screen defense, you know, and, and, and you know, that was valid. He wasn't the most athletic or gifted guy, but I, I kept saying, and, and, and my dad came and saw us play at the slam dunk at the beach. And he said, this guy's going to be a pro. And I said, I know, <laughs> but at that time, the highest school recruiting him uh, going into his, you know, into the summer of his senior year was St. Joe's Phil Martelli. Phil Martelli loved him, kept coming up here, loved him. And then Iowa saw him, late in his junior year and they were like we like this guy that was at the at the um uh the top 100 camp where um fran's son was there too coaches couldn't go but because fran's son was there fran could go so he got his first glimpse of him and he saw beyond what luca showed the the potential and i give fran a lot of credit for that in his staff and um but he was just, he is a self-made player and just one of the most wonderful young men to coach um, and teammate. I can't say enough good things about Luke. Chuck, he's a, he's a little bit of a dinosaur with regard to his position in, in today's game. You talk about, you know, your dad and you both agreeing that he's going to be a pro. How do you see his position translating to the pros uh, because he's more of a back to the basket kind of a big body post player. When today's game, you have more of the spread the court, stretch four uh, type of offense. I, I, you know, all I can say is the if if you look at his college recruitment, they had the same concerns. They weren't sure he could defend a ball screen. They weren't sure his footwork was fast enough. That was the biggest hit on him. And we see what he's doing now. So the only thing I can say is you, the guy has a tremendous work ethic and I think he's going to prove them wrong, but there's a valid points mm -hmm. um, that he lacks that flair that you need to have uh, that you see in the NBA. You don't need to have it, but you see in the NBA. I just think he's going to outwork people. He's going to prove them wrong. He can shoot the ball. I'm telling you, you can shoot the ball. Well, he's only going to improve because of his tremendous work ethic. And um, I, I, he's going to find a team on the NBA that, you know, kind of saw what Iowa saw. You know, when Iowa looked at him, they, they could not have seen what he's going to do now. They, they, had to, they had to use their imagination. And um, I think there's going to be an NBA team that does the same thing. Yeah, we see that year in and year out. I mean, Devontae Graham is my guy that I saw. You know, he was overlooked and is killing it in the NBA. Should have been most improved player last year. So I always look out for guys like that. And you mentioned something earlier, though, about that slam dunk to the beach. They still doing the Grotto's pizza for oh, everybody oh. when you go down there. And oh, that yeah, I thought you knew, man. 
That grotto's pizza is the best. <laughs> I like the grande. Uh, you know, the pizza yeah, right. I go with the grande. That stuffed pizza. And, um, they got garlic in there. It's it's good. Uh, it's good pizza. It's very. It, good. It, it's crazy that all these years later, I think I've, I think we played in that 97, 98, and they still have Grotto's Pizza running that joint. I had to figure out if that was still the case. Yep. Uh, yeah, Coach Coach Chuck Trezell, thanks for uh, stepping to the mic today. We appreciate you. Uh, you Hilarious stories you got for us, and we wish the best for Luke Garza as well. Yeah, so do I, and thank you guys. I appreciate it. Anytime, reach out. I'm here to help. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate you. All right. All right. Bye-bye, Chris.